Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing good. It is officially summer vacation for us. We finished up our finals. I finished on Tuesday. I believe you finished on Tuesday as well, but we are back to two episodes a week on Above Replacement Radio. Yep. Yeah, we're back at it, uh, doing these midweek shows, uh, you know, so that if something happens on Monday, we don't have to wait an entire week to uh, cover it. So that's always that's right. nice. Um, but yeah, uh, not, you know, kind of an kind of a, an average midweek show. We're about to have oh, some headlines, not a ton, but some. And uh, I guess uh, I guess we can get right into it. Um, yeah, the I guess biggest headline um, is uh, Jacob Degrom on the IL with apparent right side tightness. I believe he missed a start uh, due to this yeah. at one point, um, and you know made another start and came out of it because of that. Uh, so, kind of a you know, I guess not you know nothing to panic about yet, but nothing you like to see. Certainly not. I mean, Jacob DeGrom is obviously the best pitcher in the league. I think this is a, this is crushing for the whole league. I mean, you know, obviously the Mets need him, even though they've won seven straight, which is kind of funny uh, considering they don't have their ace. You know what? The Mets have won seven straight with DeGrom gone. You know who loves that is the he can't win, so he's bad crowd. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it just so happens that they score, like, one run a game for him. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because they, they scored two runs in the game where he got hurt, and it's like they traded a, a DeGrom start for two runs. And unfortunately, this doesn't look too serious right now. I think it's only just uh, like he's going to miss a couple turns through the rotation at best, but it shouldn't hurt, you know, it shouldn't hurt the Mets on a long-term season scale. It shouldn't hurt his, like, Cy Young chances or anything because he's having a historic season right now. Um, I mean, I guess that's most of my takeaway. Yeah, and right side tightness, it's kind of general. I think that might be – they haven't mentioned anything about the arm, the shoulder, or elbow. Yeah, that's what you want to stay away from. Yeah. So, you know, luckily that hasn't come up yet. I don't know what they mean by side just in general. Uh, it might be like an oblique issue, but you never know. And uh, I guess they're being – sort of vague for a reason um because you know you don't want to set off any uh any fireworks with you know something that can be taken out of context but yeah uh that's that's the jacob de grom situation we wish him well uh and hope it is very get... funny that the mets start winning uh, as soon as he goes down yeah like if they've won seven in a row they're in first place in the division like things couldn't be looking better for the mets except for the fact that they don't have to grom. Yeah, and actually that makes me curious to see I want Walker their, that's the answer. what their uh, record is when he starts. So oh, he, had, he has a 3 and 2 record. He has uh, a I, mean, I can, I can look at the Mets record in his in his starts. They're 3 and 3 when he starts. That's so funny. So there are five yeah and it's fun because at when the winning streak started, was weren't they thirteen and thirteen? I believe so, but he did start one of the games in the win streak. Okay, yeah, that yeah, that's true. He started on a Sunday, which I mean, granted they faced the Diamondbacks and the Orioles for a majority of it, I believe. So it's not like it's not like they're world beaters right now. But so I mean, seven in a row was seven in a row, especially in what has looked like one of the weakest divisions in baseball, which is kind of weird considering they had a lot of playoff teams uh i mean i think 
the Mets have the like lowest record of any division leader right now, I believe. Uh, I could be mistaken just because of the win streak. But yeah, I'm trying to think. They definitely. I knew like, like a few weeks ago the Phillies were like 500 in first place. Uh, the Mets are 18 13. Yeah. Um, the they they do in fact have the lowest winning percentage of uh, any division leader. Yeah. No, they don't. I'm wrong. They're two. They're two winning percentage points ahead of the Red Sox. Actually, the Mets are 18 and 13. The Red Sox are 22 and 16. Red Sox have a 579 winning percentage. The Mets have a 581. Yeah. So, the Phillies are also a game behind them. Uh, um, yeah. It, yeah, because they're they're doing. I think did they do well against the Braves? I think they played them like over the weekend or. They did. They did. Uh, the Braves did have a couple. They had. I think the Braves did win the series, though. Actually, either that or. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but the run differentials are hilarious. By the way, the Mets have a plus four one run differential. The the Phillies are minus one. The Braves are minus seventeen. The Marlins are in fourth with a plus ten, and then the Nationals are in last with a minus twenty four. Yeah, it's it's weird how it uh how it's panned out so far. But um. Yeah, and at least forever uh, pretty interesting, especially when you don't have the Braves performing how you uh, would imagine they would perform. But Yeah, I mean, especially with the Soroka news, we didn't even put that in the prep sheet. Yeah, there was a, a setback with his Achilles, right? Yeah, he's getting like another – was it another surgery? Yeah, it's an ex- they called it an exploratory surgery to see. Yeah, I wanted to say elective surgery, but that didn't sound right to see what was uh, wrong, um, which, you know, you don't know how much that can set a guy back. You know, yeah. Achilles injuries in pitchers is, you know, pretty unusual, so. Well, I mean, he had a freak accident on the mound one day, and that's kind of been the whole thing. You know, it's not like this was like an underlying thing that just gradually, you know, grew worse and worse. I mean, like, there was just one really awkward play with his leg that kind of led to all this. Yeah, but it's unfortunately it's something that can that can linger over time mm-hmm. uh, after after the injury is uh, already there. Yeah, which is and that's tough. Kind of what's going on, and I mean, you know, it's not like it's not like anyone else is doing him any favors in the rotation. You know, Max Fried has sort of been underperforming. Uh, Ian Anderson has some walk issues, but you know, the strikeouts there, and he, and he's had his moments certainly. Uh, Charlie Morton's going to today, and he's been all right, but I think he's been getting kind of unlucky. And there's been Hoskari and Noah, who's been the best pitcher in the rotation through the whole year, and the, maybe the best hitter other than Acuna. Yeah, that, it's funny how that's worked out. But yeah, so like, there's not really a reference point on because you know with when there's arm or elbow issue, uh, when there's arm or elbow issues, I made issue. I was about to say issueies instead of I combined. There is an e in that word though. Issues so you're not, and injuries. are not technically wrong. Yeah. Uh, but there, you know, when, when someone has an arm or elbow issue, we have a reference point. We don't really have a reference point with a guy who, you know, blew out his Achilles on the mound. We don't really see that all the time. So uh, we don't really know what's going to happen with, uh, with Soroka. Kind of weird. There's, there haven't really been many uh, injuries like this. Um, the Braves, the Braves have a uh, 0.9 wins of overplacement. Uh, on their starting rotation, according to Fangraphs, that is fourth worst in the majors and third worst in the National League. Yeah, they just don't have the. That's been. They just, they they just been haven't a, uh, had good health. They haven't had good health, and they just haven't had good performances. I know Freed did. Freed go down with an injury at one point. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, and I mean, I don't. He's done. I think okay since coming back. I know he had like an 11 ERA, so I mean, it's not like he set the bar very high before he went down. Um, but yeah, that's been a concern. And uh, anyway, the Mets. The Mets have the uh, a 282 rotation ERA. I think that leads the majors. And uh, you know what? I mean, that kind of. I mean, obviously, of course, Degrom is going to contribute to that. He has more than anybody else. But I mean, his supporting cast has been pretty good. Taiwan Walker specifically, uh, 220 ERA with a 290 FIP. That's pretty excellent. 8.6 strikeouts per nine. 3.5 walks per nine isn't great, but 0.22 home runs per nine. That's impressive. Uh, Marcus Stroman as well with less than two walks per nine and less than 0.7 home runs per nine. That's very nice for the FIP. Um, 
And then everything else is kind of, I mean, Joey Lucchesi and David Peterson have been awkwardly there. Um, that's been about it for the Mets. Yeah, Taiwan Walker could could end up being like the steal of the offseason. Absolutely. And he was like the last guy to go. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about like like when it's spring I didn't understand it. Yeah, how the how the Blue Jays should have gone out and re-signed him, but um it didn't end up going that way. He had a very good stint with them. Um, I believe I believe that's how it went down. But uh yeah, it being paid ten mil a year and the Mets almost I mean the Mets almost took Bauer ahead of him and Bauer's, you know, he's been having a fine year, but I mean Jeez, Taiwan Walker, like no yeah. complaints for that. You know, Taiwan obviously... Walker costs about thirty million less. Yeah, per year, and it's less years too. Yeah, um, so yeah, that's that's been working out pretty well so far. Uh, Strowman's been doing pretty well uh, to go with that, and I think like his David. P- I feel like David Peterson's been pretty good too he's had high strikeout numbers but he has a very high era like he's kind of been getting bad up to death so to speak um i'm trying to look at that uh, uh he does yeah, have he like 11 high. he has like 11 strikeouts per nine which is awesome but uh you know i mean good pit good strikeouts doesn't always equal good pitching he's a 4.63 fifth but a 3.13 x fifth um yeah, uh, uh, and he's a pretty solid ground ball rate as well, so he's probably got a good SIERA. Yeah. Um, and the home run ball has been haunting him, a 1.73 home runs per nine. That's a lot. So, yeah, I guess he's been uh, sort of the outlier in that. He has been. In that rotation. I'm- and like I said, his bad up against is 323. Um, that's, you know, like you can't assume that that's going to be sustainable. So, I mean, I think he can even himself out. And be you know a decent five option, which is I think what ex- the Mets are expecting him to be. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird how uh, they have the best rotation ERA, but it seems like only like three guys are doing well. It's just that they're doing extremely well. Exactly. Like yeah, Degrom, Stroman, and Walker, and then the other the other two. Uh, Blue chest. Not, quite, not yeah. quite with it, um, but yeah, that'll probably. Improved. And I mean, I don't know, I don't know what the the status is on Syndergaard, but I mean, if you get him back in like July, August, maybe, I mean, that's looking pretty dangerous. For a, like, imagine right. four game playoff series where you got Degrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, Walker. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And um, there's still no timetable on Carlos Carrasco, right? No. I mean, that's yeah. That's I mean, that's another one. Um, I don't believe there is one. I can check the uh the injury report right now. Let me do that to see what Taiwan Walker's looking or uh Carlos Carrasco is looking like. It says he's in the 60 day IL, so I mean he's not eligible for return until May 28th, uh, because he went on it. He went on that IL um pretty early before the season even started. Yeah, that so it's very good to the timetable. Um, I have no idea when we're gonna see him. I'd say maybe it could be around the same time as Syndergaard. Yeah, because that's been a real, uh, that's been a real bummer for them. Like, because a big part of the Lindor deal was also that you got Carlos Carrasco, who's a great, you know, middle to top of the rotation guy, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you haven't gotten any of that. And yeah. it's not like he, it's not like when they when they acquired him, there was a lingering issue uh, that he had. It's just it popped up right when uh right when they got him. Yeah how that panned out and uh you know the offense as a whole has just been underperforming as well yeah you know unfortunately like it sucks i was gonna look at i was looking at jd davis and i was like oh wow he's got a 200 weighted runs created plus like that's gotta be my how about that well he's on the il right now so that's probably not gonna happen yeah you know i think uh i think lindor's uh lindor's struggles have been publicized pretty well uh yeah of course jeff mcneil you know, you he's, expect you expect more out of. He's got an OPS plus of ninety eight. So you know, he's been improving though. Um, he was getting very unlucky early on though. Like I remember after I think I mean this is this means nothing, but after like one or two games, he had a he had a zeros across the board slash line with a seven thirty nine x woba. Um, yeah, I, which is like ninety eighth percentile. 
yeah he was definitely getting unlucky i gotta i gotta mute this uh group chat <laughs> it's it's been uh what i mean what are we talking ding, here just dinging um this is the springfield student group chat oh oh i'm not a part of that yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, it's a text group chat. If it was the CUSJ gang of the class of 2023, CUSJ gang, that's Snapchat. So there's no dinging on my laptop. Yeah. For that. Um, but yeah, yeah, Mets offense. Yeah, Dominic Smith has a 650 OPS. Uh, yeah, I think the only guy that's been sort of up to par that's not on the IL right now uh, was uh, Pete Alonzo. He's got like a 130 OPS plus. 130 136 yeah and yeah 835 uh you know actual OPS. even then like you should like i would expect more out of him i mean like people forget his last full season he literally had 53 home runs yeah yeah only five home runs so far in in 31 games which puts him at a pace for like i don't know 20 uh if i do five yeah they've played mets have played what 32 games thus far uh, 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 yeah, because they had a they've they've missed a few because they had the Nationals COVID situation. Uh, they had a rain out. They had a snow out in Colorado. They have missed yeah, a lot. He's, of time. he's he's on pace for twenty six, which is you know good, but nothing. Uh, here's the here's a problem. Pete Alonso uh, leads Mets position players with a point seven F four. That is seventy eighth in baseball, or tied for whatever. Because obviously Mills will. Oh no, I'm sorry. Brandon Nimmo is 0.8, which I mean, still, the fact that you don't have a single person to one yet, or even that close. But Brandon Nimmo is also on the IL. Yeah, yeah. Nimmo he's coming, and he's coming off like this week. Yeah, Nimmo and Davis have been their best offensive performers, but and Degrom is uh, up here with a 183 OPS or weighted runs created plus. He is the Degrom has the fourth highest offensive F4 on the team. Yeah, I'm not kidding. It's Nimmo with 0.8, Alonzo with 0.7, Davis with 0.7, and then DeGrom with 0.4, and then Lindor with 0.3. Yeah. Is, <laughs> oh, my goodness. What That's a, bad. What an interesting way to be in first place. Yeah. Like, I, what a crazy route. But, DeGrom's yeah. actually with an 073 ISO as well, or 067, rather. His ISO is just barely worse than Francisco Lindor's. It's only six points lower. That's a problem. Huh. And like that, that doesn't even really take into account like how well you're hitting the ball. It's just like, you know, he's exclusively a singles hitter and that Lindor seems to be the same right now. He's slugging 275. Right. Yeah. But I guess uh I guess we did the the Mets did the whole Mets situation right there. Yeah, when um, we did more than that. Yeah, so uh, now I got to talk about uh, a headline that came across. Jeff Passan said that the A's are exploring um, uh, exploring new homes, like you know, not just ballparks, but a new city to go to potentially. And uh, apparently, Las Vegas would be the uh, the front runner. Makes sense. Uh, I think the Golden Knights have been a been a success for them and they're growing in the professional sports realm so yeah and i mean they just took another oakland team a few years ago yeah and yeah and the raiders so what yeah what are we thinking about the potential for the a's being out of oakland i really really hope this doesn't happen i hope this is like i hope this is a negotiation uh threat because oakland has already seen the warriors left for a different part of the city the Raiders left and now the A's are thinking about leaving like they might go from having three professional sports teams to having none and those fans are legit like they they're passionate like they're proud and they show up uh and I mean obviously it doesn't help that they play in a massive stadium so it doesn't really look as 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 filled as it actually is uh you know when the games or when fans are at full capacity um there's such a storied franchise in Oakland and it'd be this would be the third time that the franchise has moved um, kind of that observation in my head, right? Because they went from Philly to Kansas City, from Kansas City to Oakland, and now from Oakland to somewhere else. Yeah, and they've been in Oakland since the 60s, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, they've been in it for over 50 years, 
Um, yeah, it's uh, and it's weird too because it's not even like a, a 1995 Mariner situation because like they've been good. They've had success. They're good right now. They've been to the playoffs the last three years. Yeah, exactly. And they're you know, right now they're they're leading the division. Just took uh, two from the Red Sox. Yeah, like they're they're a successful team. They're doing very well. It's just for some reason they're you know not able to get this new ballpark. And I guess it makes a little bit of sense because it does. like I don't I don't blame them for not wanting to play in the Coliseum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's just not meant for 2021 baseball. Uh, yeah, they have to. They have to get a new ballpark. But you know, at, like, I don't know if Oakland, if it's sustainable in Oakland, depending on you know how many fans they're able to get in the stadium. Because they're asking know, for. They're asking for 12 billion dollars. Uh, that's what they want. That's how much they want to build it. Yeah, that seems. Like I know. A lot. I know. Now is you know. Right now is obviously a very tough time to be asking for that kind of money. You know, obviously, like as a as a nation, we've all just lost a lot of money recently. But um, I mean, the A's have been asking for this since long before the pandemic started. Like this has been a year long project, like years of of trying to get this under the belt. Like I remember 2017, uh, hearing stories about the A's hoping for a new stadium, and there were blueprints that were out like around last year or so. Like the A's have been trying for a while. And I, it's, it sucks. It really sounds like the city of Oakland isn't for it. Yeah. Uh, and I, when I say that, I mean like the, the governors or the elites or as you call it, and like the fans I'm sure would be willing for it. Yeah. It's a uh, weird. It would, you know, if it ends up going the route that they're talking about it going, it'll definitely be the end of an era. And, uh, yeah, I guess I guess it would leave baseball in the Bay Area completely to the Giants. Yeah, I mean, like, at the very least, there's another team there. But the A's are like, I mean, if they move to Las Vegas, like, how do you propose they build a fan base there? Because there are so many teams right, like, somewhat near Las Vegas, and that's the. I'm just saying that because it's a front runner. But like, I mean, how many people that are near Las Vegas have already adopted the Dodgers or the Padres or the Angels or the Diamondbacks? Like, how do you really expect the A's to build a fan base in a new city? Yeah, it's weird. But, I mean, yeah, I think it's a lot different than hockey or football. Because especially with especially with football, like, Southern California didn't have much of a presence. Exactly. Uh, Not only that, but, like, the, at least the Raiders were big in California. So, like, they're, yeah. like, L.A. You know, like, L.A. has a decent Raiders representation, which is, I mean – I know that Las Vegas and LA are still like hours apart, but I mean, those fans are dedicated and they'd go there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Weird, uh, weird situation. Um, obviously it could be a uh, negotiation tactic. Of I hope it is. I hope that's all it is. Cause I really do not want to see the Oakland days move. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the city wants. Like, does the city want them to start, trying to buy a championship because obviously the A's are notoriously, you know, pretending to play poor and that doesn't even count money ball. I mean, like when was the last time the A's signed like a free agent to like a legit, like multi-year deal? Yeah. There's really, really nothing, but you know, we, we hope it's a negotiation tactic. Cause yeah, like earlier, like this past off season, you know, right, pretty much right before DJ LeMahieu uh, signed with the Yankees for six years he was talking about like his team was talking about exploring other options besides the Yankees, you know, hopefully it goes like that. But if not, uh, it seems like it would probably be, yeah, Las Vegas. Um, Portland. Yeah. The, the other like far fetched options is potentially like Nashville or something like that, but you probably want to Nashville. Like if they move to Nashville, that messes up all the divisions. Yeah, you'd probably have to move one of the central teams. The West. West, which I don't even know what you would do like there. The, yeah, I don't know. That's why I think Las Vegas is like the favorite, just because they can at least, you know, they can stay in the AL West and have a legit presence there. Yeah. 
Yeah, you would. Like, like, be able always to do that. being in the NFC East, like it just doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess that's the A's situation. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, we talked about the Mets, and uh, you know, one of their former prospects is going to be making his debut tonight, along with uh my my 2020 mariners player to watch logan gilbert (laughs) yeah he's he's finally coming up and uh they're gonna they're both gonna be debuting on the same night position player and pitcher uh against the dodgers so they have a bit of a tough matchup i don't know who's pitching for the dodgers but uh gonna be uh, no they're they're facing the indians they're facing the indians oh yeah oh i guess yeah they had a a two-game set against the dodgers yeah, so they're okay. So they're facing Cleveland. Um, they're facing exactly Zach tonight at home. It's a 10 10 start on the East Coast. Uh, Jared Kelnick so far, uh, he's only played a few games in the minors, but he's slashing 374, 14, 30 uh, with a 153 weighted runs created plus. So, I mean, in the uh, six games that he's played, he's obviously been doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. Yeah. And I think his last. His last full season in the minors, he was his OPS was like in the 900s. Um, Logan Gilbert, when when I pointed him out uh, before 2020, I think his ERAs his ERA was in the mid twos, and his you know strikeouts per nine was above 11. So you know something something to look forward to. But you know I think uh, Gilbert was in the top 40 MLB prospects, and uh, Kellenic or Kelnick was uh number three overall, I think number four overall. Yeah. Top five for sure. This is the biggest prospect to have debuted in 2021 thus far. No doubt. Yes. Uh, that is true. As, as you know, Wander Franco, Adley Rushman and Julio Rodriguez have yet to make debuts, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, so yeah. I, any, any thoughts on, what could potentially happen uh, with these oh. with these two guys? You know, I know that there's usually like big name pro. It's not uncommon for big name prospects to come up and have some very visible growing pains uh, in the majors. Like, I mean, remember in 2016, Yohan Moncada struck out, or he came up and struck out like 14 times in a row, or something crazy like that. Um, Joe Adele last year was an example of that. So it, it's very possible that Jared Kel- Kelnick could, you know, v- struggle uh in these games and if that happens obviously don't freak out you know it takes time for a lot of these guys same thing with logan gilbert if he you know if he's walking a lot of guys tonight if he's got i'm sure the strikeouts will be there just because you know strikeouts are very common but i'd say control is the biggest thing to watch for on his part tonight um but if it goes the flip side and they're both contributing early the mariners are like in the mix right now i mean they're four and a half games out of the division uh they've lost four in a row so like they've you know they were much closer to being in it uh, a couple of weeks ago but you know they can climb back into it and i mean this could become a team to watch when some of these guys start coming up like tramel's up right now uh his strikeout rate's been very bad but you know if he can get that under control if Kel- if kelnick can start producing if gilbert can start producing like this is a team that's that should be watched and t- taken seriously yeah absolutely um yeah, because they're yeah they're about five hundred. They're not far from the uh, A's in the standings uh, just yet. And if they do well and they, you know, make the Mariners competitive, it also kind of increases the chances of possibly seeing Julio Rodriguez this year. Uh, if if they are in a competitive situation, it kind of pressures the front office to uh, maybe bring that guy up. And he's you know obviously right up there with Kelnick in the uh, prospect ranking. So that would be very exciting as well. And yeah, you, you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, Gilbert is kind of set up well facing Cleveland tonight, you know, even though Cleveland is in a winning streak, uh, they're not the most offensive uh, driven team. So he might be able to have some success tonight. And yeah, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting how it could go down um we'll see uh we'll see how it happens anything more on uh on these two not on these two but just on the mariners uh ty france has fallen straight off a cliff since i i talked about him on how about that 
Yeah. Uh, he was hitting like 320 with a high nines OPS, and now he's got a 234 average and a 711 OPS. And I think he has like a like a minus one OPS, like a weighted runs created plus in the month of May. Yeah, we do we do kind of risk it when we, you know, try to find these. Well, we're gonna keep doing it anyway. When we when we find these under the radar type guys that's who, the risk we take because like they are still under the radar guys and they are just as capable as as doing what ty france has done as they are yeah. continuing it some guys just have hot starts and we like to highlight those because yeah. let's just talking about ty france yeah yeah like you know we're not gonna be highlight like hey did you guys hear uh mike trout's doing very well this year? yeah don't know if you heard if you heard about it there's this guy his name is ronald acuna jr yeah. He plays with the Braves. He's a he's an outfielder. He's been doing awesome this year. He actually just hit a leadoff home run uh, in his game today against the Blue Jays. This OPS is actually uh, it's now up to 1065 with a 307 average. Yeah, take a get take a look on this guy if you can. Yeah, and you know he's actually only uh, what 23, 24 years old. He's I mean, very this, young. this guy's gonna like. Be, yeah, he's part of the future. You know, I mean, speaking of the, you know, the Braves and Blue Jays game, the guy batting for the Blue Jays right now, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Vladimir Guerrero, but uh, this is actually his son. Uh, he yeah. was a Hall of, he was a Hall of Famer back with the Expos when they were around and with the and, you know, now with the Angels and the, the Rangers and the Orioles. Uh, funny thing. I mean, you know, Vlad, Vlad Guerrero, he played for the Expos and uh, Vlad Jr. is playing for the Blue Jays right now. I mean, they're both he was born in Canada. I mean, it's just it's just classic. It's just classic. And he's hitting 309 with a 990 OPS this year. Eight home runs. He actually had a three home run game uh, in Dunedin for the Blue Jays. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is doing. And no one's talking about it, too. Yeah, like. It's pretty wild, you know. I don't know if you guys heard, but he hit 400 in the minors. Yeah, but he was, you know, and he was only like 19 years old when he did that. It was, it was pretty crazy. If um, you're, uh, if you're looking for some Midwest baseball tonight, the starting pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, Corbin Burns. Yeah, uh, he's, he's coming up. He's the best pitcher you've never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Giraffe Neck Mark. Uh, he's got a 1.53 ERA. He is, he is a uh, 40 plus strikeouts and no walks. Yeah, <laughs> that. I mean, no one, no one's talking about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's just pretty crazy. wild. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. My how about that is the guy that uh, actually he's he's going on the IL. It's Jacob Degrom. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, let's just talk about how great. I mean, yeah. This guy, I, this guy had a do that. This guy had eight shutout innings last night. Garrett Cole. <laughs> <laughs> shut down the rays pretty wild yankees finally you know found a guy you know picked him up on the free agent market uh back before the 2020 season what a steal yeah i mean only nine years and 324 million dollars yeah loves have this guy his name is chris bryant he's got a 180 weighted runs created plus this year and uh i mean this is a guy that you know he's he stayed around in the minors for a little bit longer than people think he should have and uh, I mean, look at him now. He's got a he's got a two WAR, <laughs> he's got a two F WAR through thirty four games played. I mean, that's just incredible. Yeah, people, uh, you know, he uh, he actually had this play. It was in extra innings uh, in a twenty sixteen playoff game. You know, people remember that play where he uh, he took the ground ball and he threw it to first, and you know, everyone was, awesome. was really excited. It was the most exciting ground ball to third base you've ever seen. Yes, and yeah. I mean that. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a preview for our how about that. Um, so yeah, actually now we should uh, get into the Thursday, May thirteenth edition of. How about that? So, what player do you have to highlight today? This is actually very awkward because my how about that uh, actually leads the National League in uh, OPS this season. Uh, but even still, he's really not talked about as much as the guys right with him uh, on those lists. Jesse Winker is my how about that. Since September 18th, 2020, he is sandwiched between Mike Trout and Bryce Harper in weighted runs created plus with 187. Trout has 195. He's first. Winker has 187. He is second. And Bryce Harper has 180. And he is third uh, since this date. And in that span, he is slashing a 348, 427, 652 with a 1078 OPS. Both his slugging percentage and the OPS lead the majors. 
He also leads the majors in that time in Woba with a 457. And he's been doing the damn thing this year. He's got an 1101 OPS. That is, and the lowest his OPS has been after any game this season has been a 936. So Jesse Winker uh, has been lighting it up. He's been one of the, the best hitters in the league. And I mean, he's not getting, like, he's right there with Trout and Harper, and he's not getting Trout and Harper recognition. Right, right. Yeah, he's been uh, doing extremely well. He had a very good season last uh, last year as well. Yeah, he did. Um, very, very good offensive contributor. Um, a guy uh, I'm talking about, he's a, he's a high-profile name, but, you know, had a rough year last year going into – going into free agency after this year you mentioned him as one of the cliche guys uh, chris bryant uh, just because i feel like he hasn't he hasn't been talked about that much this year you know he's third in f4 in major league baseball this year and he's just been very consistent he hasn't had like a crazy hot streak uh like you know acuna jr has or um you know an another potential like Nick Solek has uh, Chris Bryan has just been, you know, very consistent and uh, you know, sneak sneakily leading the national league in OPS plus this year with a 191. also leads MLB leads the MLB in doubles with 14 and extra base hits with 23 this year. And uh, his slugging on fastballs and breaking pitches uh, has never been better in a season uh, both, you know, in both realms, uh, he's never had a better slugging percentage on fastballs and breaking pitches, breaking pitches in a season. So, you know, not not a not a deep dig this week, but I felt I like just, it, I just made you look like such a hypocrite. I yeah, I <laughs> that was awkward. <laughs> we've never we've never picked the same player for how about that or slightly alarming, but that might be the closest we've ever gotten. Yeah, because yeah, he's just uh, you know. He's just been going along, going about his thing, and uh, doing very well. Ten I was expecting you to pick JT Realmuto. Yeah, I mean. He's fourth, and he's a catcher. Yeah, another high-profile type guy, I think. I think uh, Fangraphs wins above replacement. Is, he's fourth. Uh, he he does, but, like, uh, they do uh, they, they don't represent do catchers a little better than baseball reference yeah. wins above replacement. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Bryant is getting my. How about um, so now we go from the highs to the lows, talking about players who uh, are not doing so hot. Uh, today's our, or this is our May 13th, 2021 edition of. Slightly alarming. So, who do you have to highlight for the wrong reasons? Imagine if we did slightly alarming, like the cliche ones as well. Like I'm talking about Chris Davis this week from the Orioles. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know who would be like those cliche guys. Like um, right. I mean, I don't want to jinx you again, so I'm just going to shut up actually. If it was, if it was 20, like, or yeah, if it was 2019, it's like, we're talking about Jacoby Ellsbury. He hasn't played a game <laughs> since 2017. <laughs> we're talking about three. Three years anyway, left on this deal. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, my slightly alarming is uh, Albert Pujols. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at Miguel Cabrera this week. He hasn't been very good. And the um, and the Tigers are paying him $30 million this year. I mean, wow. I mean, that's just, I mean they, only have, they still have four years left on that deal. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Miguel Cabrera would be a how about that because he just – Last night he like broke the hits record for Venezuelan-born players, and he also just passed Babe Ruth on the hit list. Yeah, and we were we were big fans of him getting the Venezuelan record because he passed the one and only Omar Vizquel. Thank God. Yeah, get that guy out of there. <laughs> and he had two thousand eight hundred and seventy-seven hits. Yeah, most by a Venezuelan-born player. Nope, not anymore. Nope. Get that out of there. Yep. Thank so uh, who's God. your slightly alarming? Uh, my slightly alarming is a guy who hasn't been particularly bad. I mean, he's been, I mean, considering his expectations, he isn't great, but like just on a service level, he's been, I guess, serviceable, but uh, it's Blake Snell. Um, mm-hmm. So he 
uh, has not been nearly as deceptive as he normally is uh, in 2021. Um, he has 34 and a third innings pitched. I actually look at this. I don't think he qualifies for rate stats, and it's not that he's missed time. It's just that he doesn't go deep into games. Yeah, we like uh, I don't want to dive dive too deep into it, but we talked about how like oh you know now he he's not with Kevin Cash maybe he's going to get more innings this year. And I guess that's not the case. Not particularly. Um, that's, yeah, that's been an issue. But um, what I'm talking about is his walks in particular. Uh, he is 34 and a third innings pitched and 24 walks. And uh, he is the first player in baseball history with uh, 30, less than 35 innings pitched and 20 plus walks in any eight game sample to start a stint with a franchise. Uh, so that's been a massive that's issue. Alarming. for Jason. That is slightly alarming. And his walk rate in general has gone. His walk rate in general has gone from the 46th percentile in 2020 to the ninth percentile in 2021. Uh, he's he's uh, he's not throwing as many strikes, and I think that's definitely has a, a huge correlation with not going deep into games. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, if you're a pitch count, if you're walking a lot of guys, that means you're probably having long uh, at bats or yeah, uh, I mean, long. Just to, just to give you an idea, he pitched yesterday in the second end of the doubleheader against the Rockies. He went four innings and had 84 pitches. Yeah, not the best. That's not good. Ideally, you want to have like somewhere around 15 pitches per inning. Uh, if you have more than 20, that's that's trouble. Um, and for four innings, too. Yeah, he does not qualify for right because he does at least have a 12.84 strikeouts per nine. Uh, I mean, call him call him Blake Ray, if you will. Yeah, 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 yeah except, that's true. Except, I mean, I don't mean to make this about my <laughs> uh, my recurring player to watch in the entire world, but Robbie Ray has been doing the damn thing. Yeah, it's one walk in his last four outings. Uh, I mean, he is truly following the 93 Randy Johnson arc. Yeah, I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but... Uh, I did. But yeah, yeah, Robbie Ray, you know, we compared like Robbie Ray versus Randy Johnson through his age 28 season. And it was like scarily similar. Yeah. And, and 90 and Randy Johnson's 29 season was the first great season he had. And that's where Robbie Ray is now. So, I mean, if he's going to follow Randy Johnson's career arc, you know, he's going to have to show something this year and he's been doing it pretty well in his last four outings. Uh, his FIP isn't great, uh, but I think it's been much better through his last few starts. Yeah. Like Rick, Randy Johnson in 93, it wasn't one of his like Cy Young seasons, but it was his first season where he was getting Cy Young consideration. I think he finished third that year. Bobby Ray's only issue right now is the home run ball. He's been giving up a lot of those, but I mean, who isn't? Um, yeah. But yeah, the walks have been very, very much approved on, which I'm extremely happy about. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, day and night, day and night with Robbie Ray. Uh, so... We'll see. We'll see how that goes for the rest of the year. Also, I mean, he's like Blake smells like a reverse Ray because he went from the AL East to the NL West, which is you know, uh, Robbie Ray did vice versa. Wow, this is fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, my slightly alarming is uh, on the Blue Jays, a teammate of Robbie Ray's. Uh, he is. He was also my player to watch, and I think. He was listed as one of your players to watch Lord of Guriel jr. Mm -hmm. uh, I was talking about how, like how underrated he was as a blue Jays offensive contributor, but this year uh, just hasn't, hasn't been getting it going. He's hitting 193 with a 493 OPS. And uh, he has the second lowest qualifying OPS in the MLB. This is a guy who was consistently like in the mid eight hundreds OPS wise. And, you know, now it's below 500 at the moment and his line drive percentage has gone from 36.4% to 21.3%. And uh, that's, uh, you know, I would, I would call that. Slightly alarming. So, you know, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Um, he's, he's going to have to pick it up uh, in, you know, in the coming weeks in order to, uh, you know, get the, get the Blue Jays lineup going. But yeah, that is slightly alarming. Those were our players to highlight in general. And uh, on to uh, a preview of the weekend ahead. Uh, what do you? What is on your docket 
uh, in the upcoming weekend? Well, uh, I'm actually about to look right now. Um, what do we got starting tonight? Um, we got a lot of series finishing up. I'll just look uh, over here. Um, what am I looking at? It's an excellent question, Chris. I think I think there's one. There's a decent series uh, with the Padres and Cardinals. I was I was just looking at that. Um, you know yeah. what? What? I'm gonna look at Marlins Dodgers. I love I just because I love the pitching matchup on Friday. Sandy Alcantara versus Clayton Kershaw. Uh, their ERAs are only separated by ten points. That's pretty awesome. And then on Saturday you got TBD versus Bauer. And on Sunday I'm assuming you also have, oh no you have Pablo Lopez versus Walker Buehler. Some good pitching matchups there. Even with the Marlins not knowing who they're going with. Unfortunately it's not Trevor Rogers because he pitches today, uh, in Arizona. But I'm looking at Marlins Dodgers. Who would have thought I was looking at that at any point ever? Yeah, I mean they they got some of the some of the best pitchers, but um. Unfortunately, we haven't seen Sixto Sanchez in action yet. We have not, but I mean, that team is that team's interesting. They're very intriguing for sure. Yeah, definitely. Like, not a team you want to mess with. They're they're not a you know they're not a doormat as they once were. Um, they have the best run differential in the division, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah, uh, oddly oddly true, oddly a fact. Uh, with Padres Cardinals, you know, it's two teams, you know, the Cardinals are at the top of their division. The Padres are in second place and they are only two games back of the Giants, you know, two v- pretty talented teams. Um, you, you have, you know, you have some pretty good talent, like, you know, Machado versus Arenado at third base. Uh, unfortunately, with the Padres, some of their players are. Uh, out with like COVID related stuff, whether they're being contact traced or they actually tested positive. I think what Tatis Jr. tested positive. Yeah, Will Myers yeah. tested positive. Eric Hosmer tested positive. Yeah, they all tested positive. So unfortunately, they're out a couple weeks. But you have Musgrove versus Oviedo, and then on Saturday you have Chris Paddock versus Adam Wainwright, and on Sunday, you have Ryan Weathers versus uh, Wang Yong Kim. And, you know, you wonder if the Cardinals are going to take advantage of the fact that the Padres have some key position players missing. Um, but we will see about it. So that's What's my the preview. And I came this week. Oh, it's oh, it's Cardinals Padres. Fantastic. That's what, interesting. The- I'm glad that it's like. The the MLB.tv free game of the week? No, the Sunday night game. Oh, the Sunday night game. Is it just me or do they always do like the same like five teams? Doesn't it seem like that? Uh, Sunday night? Oh, yeah, of course. Like it's been Braves-Phillies like two or three times. Like the Phillies have been on it so many times. Yeah, like, well, it's, you know, it's obviously going to be the most marketable teams. Like even though the A's are, even though the Oakland Athletics are good, you never see them on Sunday night baseball. Exactly. Unless they're like away somewhere. They never go to Oakland. Yeah, never. Like if it's um, A's Yankees, then like maybe. But it is. I wish I wish they would do the best teams and market the whole league, you know, because like every every player can be marketed in their own way. Like every like we have like there is so much information available to fans. There is always something interesting about every player. Yep. Especially now that they have the Statcast broadcasts. I don't know if you've been watching those, Chris, but they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Like every play, like you can find something cool on every single person on the field. Like, yeah, I'm cool with Cardinals Padres this or Cardinals Padres this week. But then you got like you have Cubs Cardinals on May 23rd in St. Louis. Like that rivalry's dead, and the Cubs aren't that good. Yeah, like same. You know, in the same breath, you have Dodgers Giants. Like that's that's a much better series to watch. The Giants have been doing amazing, and the Dodgers are the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, dot. Dodgers Giants is good, but I guess you wouldn't. Maybe I wouldn't have predicted it would have been that competitive. They shouldn't uh, before the next, season going started. forward. Like I know that I'm not gonna have any say, but they shouldn't decide like the entire Sunday night schedule through the season. Like they should wait like a month in advance for each one. Yeah, they will uh, flex games at some points. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember we, uh, 
I planned on in 2016, we planned on going to a one Sunday game in August, like pretty far out. And it was, it was a day game. And then it ended up being a night game. Right. Cause, but like, it just kind of goes unnoticed. Cause you don't, oh, you don't, you don't really look that far ahead. It was a Red Sox Royals. It didn't. Oh, I remember that up, game. Yeah. I, I remember Ortiz hit a Royals home run. Uh, the Royals scored a bunch of runs in one inning. Yeah, it was 10-4 Royals. <laughs> and uh, Jordano Ventura uh, pitched that game. I think it was against Clay Buckles. What a matchup. Yeah, what a matchup. Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll always have like an odd amount of NL East games, it seems. Yeah, it is. Like Braves-Phillies, Phillies-Mets, Mets-Braves. Obviously, obviously, they have like three or four Red Sox-Yankees games, which is not always relevant. <laughs> no. Like that's not even like they like Rays Yankees would be more relevant right now, for sure. They, they're like, yeah, no Tropicana Field, no thanks. Like you know the meme where it's like a, uh, it's like do this or draw twenty five, and it shows the person with like a million uh, Uno cards. <laughs> Three yeah. go to Tropicana Field or draw the whole damn deck. Yeah, they do it. Yeah, it's uh, but you know, it's it's national television, so yeah, they'll always appease to the big markets. And the quote-unquote rivalries, because like I remember, yeah the the first um, the first opening night of 2020, it was you know Nationals Yankees, and it was like that that was exciting because it was Cole versus Scherzer. But then yeah. it was Dodgers Giants. Yeah, when the Giants know, after, like oh they have Mike Yastrzemski and that's it. Yeah, and then Donovan Toronto just came out of nowhere. Yeah, before before they were kind of established as a sneaky team. They it was just a bunch of old guys, it seemed. Yeah, yeah. and uh Aaron Ruff was hitting like fourth in that game. Right, yeah. No one was excited. And yeah, Dodgers ended up winning that game like eight to one. Yep. It was tough. But yeah, that does it for this week's edition of Above Replacement Radio. We hope you enjoyed this one. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens or go to our playlist, uh, go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Also, follow us on social media. Follow me on Twitter, at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram, at Daniel underscore Curran. And follow the show on Instagram, at Above Replacement Radio. And we hope you enjoy this one. And we hope to see you on Monday, where we're going to be recapping all the happenings of the MLB weekend. And we will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.